Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is Wednesday of the 11th week in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, strength of those who hope in you, graciously hear our pleas. And since without you mortal frailty can do nothing, grant us always the help of your grace, that in following your commands we may please you by our resolve and our deeds. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the second book of the Kings. This is what happened when the Lord took Elijah up to heaven in the whirlwind. Elijah and Elisha set out from Gilgal. Elijah said, Elisha, please stay here. The Lord is only sending me to the Jordan. But he replied, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. And they went on together. Fifty of the brotherhood of prophets followed them, halting some distance away as the two of them stood beside the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water, and the water divided to the left and right, and the two of them crossed over dry shod. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Make your request. What can I do for you before I am taken from you? Elisha answered, Let me inherit a double share of your spirit. Your request is a difficult one, Elijah said. If you see me while I am being taken away from you, it shall be as you ask. If not, it will not be so. Now as they walked on, talking as they went, a chariot of fire appeared and horses of fire coming between the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in the whirlwind. Elisha saw it and shouted, My father, my father, chariot of Israel and its charges. Then he lost sight of him, and taking hold of his clothes, he tore them in half. He picked up the cloak of Elijah, which had fallen, and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak of Elijah and struck the water. Where is the Lord? The God of Elijah, he cried. He struck the water, and it divided to the right and left, and Elisha crossed over. The word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. Let your hearts take comfort, all who hope in the Lord. Let your hearts take comfort, all who hope in the Lord. How great is the goodness, Lord, that you keep for those who fear you, that you show to those who trust you in the sight of men. Let your hearts take comfort, all who hope in the Lord. You hide them in the shelter of your presence, from the plotting of men. You keep them safe within your tent, from disputing tongues. Let your hearts take comfort, all who hope in the Lord. Love the Lord, all you saints. He guards his faithful. But the Lord will repay to the full those who act with pride. Let your hearts take comfort, all who hope in the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. All who love me will keep my words, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Be careful not to parade your good deeds before men to attract their notice. By doing this, you will lose all reward from your Father in heaven. So, when you give alms, do not have it trumpeted before you. This is what the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets to win men's admiration. I tell you solemnly, they have had their reward. But when you give alms, your left hand must not know what your right is doing. Your almsgiving must be secret. And your father, who sees all that is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not imitate the hypocrites. They love to say their prayers standing up in the synagogues and at the street corners for people to see them. I tell you solemnly they have had their reward. But when you pray, go to your private room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in that secret place. And your Father, who sees all that is done in secret, will reward you. When you fast, do not put on a gloomy look as the hypocrites do. They pull long faces to let men know they're fasting. I tell you solemnly they have had their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that no one will know you are fasting except your Father who sees all that is done in secret, and your Father who sees all that is done in secret will reward you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but there's nothing in the Sermon on the Mount that doesn't make me squirm. And, you know, here Jesus is talking about these three great practices of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And, you know, no criticism about any of those practices. They're all good. And, you know, Jesus tells the people how they are to do it well. But he also warns them about the danger of it. And the, and the danger of these practices of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving is that they become occasions for vanity, now, typically when we hear the word vanity these days, we, we refer specifically to the kind of self-obsession that people can get with their own appearances. You know, if they're a little bit too fussy and focused about, you know, hair, clothes, makeup, whatever, um, you know, we, we might call them vain. But that's only one aspect of what vanity is. You see, vanity isn't just about the way in which I kind of pretty myself up on the outside. 
in order to gain the admiration of other people. It's also about the myriad of different ways that I try to shape and conform my actions so as to curry favour, to win other people's compliments and their admiration and esteem. The Italians have a nice phrase for it. They call it a preoccupation with la bella figura, the beautiful image, the picture. And it is all about an image. It's all about portraying yourself, presenting yourself to others in a particular way as to win their admiration. Now, here's the problem with vanity, though. It's it's kind of insidious because it can poison good things. So, you know, the, the examples that Jesus gives here of prayer, fasting and almsgiving, how easy it is to fall into the trap of doing these things in order to attract attention. And, you know, Jesus says, well, if that was, you know, really at the heart of what you were doing, you've had your reward. You, you, you got what you're looking for. You got the admiration of the people who thought you were really, really holy. Because you wanted that more than actually to be holy. There are a couple of things that I want to say about vanity. The first one is that for someone who's kind of captured by vanity, struggling with vanity is a bit of a bit of a root sin that that governs so much of you know what we do and what we choose. To live under that constant calculation of whether or not what I'm doing is going to win other people's admiration, to live like that is exhausting. If I do this or that, if I wear this or wear that, if I hold this or that opinion, you know, are my stocks going to go up or, or, or are they going to go down? This constant examination of one's own conduct and the calculation of other people's admiration, that is tiring. Wouldn't it be nice just to be free and to live? And wouldn't it be nice to know that the admiration that you do win from other people is grounded in reality and not in some false image that I've portrayed. You see, there's, there's the problem. An inordinate preoccupation with the opinion of others and, and you know with the esteem of others, it often springs from a deep insecurity. You know, the, the, the need to receive affirmation and praise and and respect. But here's the thing. Who can ultimately address my own insecurity? Who can tell me what truly is the substance of my life and my heart once once I peel back all of the layers that I've invented for myself? It's Jesus. You see, all too often, we've actually painted the wrong picture of ourselves. You know, in my mind's eye, I see myself in this particular light. But here's the thing. That picture that I've drawn of myself, is it actually grounded in reality? Is that who I really am? Is that as I really am? You know, I think it's, it's here that we might have a little bit of spiritual work to do. To turn to the Lord Jesus and say, Lord, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And so you see reality as it 
really is. You see me as I really am. Lord, I can't hide from you, but I can hide from myself. So tell me what you see. Show me who I am. You see, I think sometimes we imagine that, you know, the project here is to build up our own self-confidence. But you know what? I think, I think deep down we know that we can lie to ourselves. And, and sometimes when we try to manufacture within ourselves that understanding that, you know, I really am important and I really am worthwhile and I really am precious, that, you know, we kind of see the folly of that project. It's like, well, look, you know, I'm just trying to encourage myself to believe these things when, you know what, in my heart of hearts, maybe I don't. But who can challenge my beliefs about myself? Who is it that can correct the picture that I've painted of myself? It's when Jesus speaks to my heart and says, You are precious. You are mine. And I love you. That's my security. That's the ground on which I stand with confidence. And when I know Christ's admiration, when I know his love, I can let go of this game of vanity, of being so preoccupied of other people's opinions and, you know, so obsessed by the calculations of their opinions. I can actually start living my own life now rather than trying to always meet the expectations of other people. And doesn't that sound like joy? Doesn't that sound like freedom? The Lord Jesus comes with his truth about who we are in order to liberate us from the shackles that, that hold us captive. And, and vanity is a big one. It poisons so many good works, and ultimately all it brings is stress and sorrow. So I don't know, if, if any of this kind of describes a little bit about, you know, where you're at, and, and look, let's face it, you know, in varying degrees we're probably all a little bit there, to spend some time in prayer, in a, a sincere and humble encounter with the Lord, and in our imagination... Sit there with the Lord and allow him to look at us, to gaze into our hearts, and then to listen to what he tells us about who we really are. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, 
I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.